The last time that uh, I got to share uh, God's Word with you, we talked about the uh, foundation or bedrock principles of faith, and one of them was found in the uh, 11th chapter. In fact, all five of them were found in the 11th chapter where it said, as he's talking about the beginning of the world, it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were formed by the Word of God. For what, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And as we think about that this morning, um, I want to suggest that we have lost something, and unless we have this view of, of God's creation, that we're never going to be able to understand what we've lost. And it's unfortunate in the world in which we uh, live today and in the light that we are to share in this world, we are generally talking to a people who do not know who God is. And therefore, they have no idea what they have lost. If we go back into the uh, creation account in the first two chapters, we find that God has created a world, a magnificent world. And that in these six days, he created everything that our eyes behold today. And it wasn't in a rudimentary form. It was mature, complete, and it is what it is and will be what it will be uh, from that day to this, from generation to generation. But then something happens that, uh, that changes everything in our relationship with God. Because in the evening of the sixth day, God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And so God created man, both male and female, and in his image and in his likeness, and there was fellowship. Because we read in, in the closing part of the chapter, in the evening of the sixth day, we move immediately to the seventh day, the day of rest, and I want to suggest this morning that we and Jesus Christ live in the seventh day. We live in the rest that we have in Jesus Christ. We live in his presence. And we see that clearly depicted in the image where God put Adam and Eve. Now, the word put in the Hebrew language does not necessarily denote where or location where I have put something. And my wife says, I am put challenged because I never know where I have placed something. But that's not the total context of what we're talking about here. It's talking about not only the placement of two individuals that God has created, but also it's talking about the environment in which they were created. And if we look and we read a little bit just between the lines, and it's easy to read when we, we read the passages of creation, that... They were in God's presence. Now, we have no idea what it's like to be in the physical presence of God, do we? But they were also in his provision. Read about that. They could reach out and they could take from every tree that God had provided for them for food, and they, would, uh, they could survive. And he was also under God's protection. And we can see that by, he says, I, of all the trees in the garden, you can eat whatever you want, as much as you want. Just reach out your hand and take it. But of the tree in the middle of the garden, do not eat it, do not touch it. 
For the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. And the, the tree that he was talking about was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I want to suggest this morning that that passage of Scripture would indicate to us that God was protecting Adam and Eve. For God knew right from wrong. I don't know when the battle that God and Satan fought. We see it uh, in Job. We hear about it in Job. And we also hear about it when Jesus sent out the, uh, the disciples two by two. And when they came back, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And so we know that there was, uh, in the presence of God, God was uh, in their presence. He was providing for them and he was protecting them. And it talks about the Garden of Eden. And I don't know how long Adam and Eve lived in perfection. And so, fellas, here's, here's a great message for you. Don't ever plan to live forever in perfection uh, because it's not going to happen. So as we, as we look at that, it said um, Satan came to them. And, and you, know, you know the story how he uh, lured them and, and uh, led them into the path of sin, disobedience to God. And so they ate of the fruit, and their eyes were opened, and they saw that they were naked. Now, that naked also has uh, uh, more of a meaning than just being without clothes. They realized what God was doing for them. They knew that they were in God's presence, and they knew that he was providing for them, and he knew that he was protecting them. But now, now, they knew right from wrong. So now they had to become their own protectors. And, and as, as the account goes, it says, they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. Now, again, we've got to go between the lines a little bit. They knew that it was God because they recognized the sound of God as he came into the garden in the cool of the evening. Now, Preachers don't normally ask their people to close their eyes during a sermon. But if you need to, I would like you to imagine the scene of God coming into the garden to commune and have fellowship with those created people that he loved. Can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine being in the very presence of God in the arena of perfection, paradise? But they had disobeyed God. And when they heard the sound, this familiar sound of God coming to them in the garden, they were afraid because they realized that they were naked. And so they hid. And the Bible says that in their effort to, to uh, cover themselves, they made, they made coverings of leaves. And then God comes and he calls. He calls to them, where are you? I don't know if it was Adam, but it says he responded and said, we heard you in the garden and, and we were naked and we were afraid. So we hid ourselves. Who told you you were naked? You know, and that just sets the stage for what I want to say now. The thing that we've lost, because in a few verses later, God has banished them from the garden. 
and he put two cherubim there with, with flaming swords going back and forth so that they could not re-enter the garden because in God's love and in God's mercy at that time, he did not want them to partake of the tree of life and live forever in this condition of sin away from the presence of God. I don't know if if this is true or not, I, because I don't understand all the nuances of the scripture. But I believe that is the last time until Jesus comes that man saw God face to face. Friends, there's where we were created to live. We were created to live in the presence of God in his presence, under, in his provision, and under his protection. That's where we were intended to live. To this day, that is where all mankind is intended, intended to live. But we lost that opportunity because of disobedience to God's word. And no longer were we in the physical presence of God. Now, God has never left his creation. He has never left humanity. Now, he may not listen to us if we are evil, but he is there, always ready and willing to hear the prayer of repentance to encourage the turning of life from sin. But we lost that physical presence with God. And I want to tell you this morning that I believe this with all my heart, without the presence of God in our lives, we are walking dead people. Because in him is life, and his life is the light or the wisdom of all men. Well, I want to take us to maybe an extraordinary piece of scripture that where God gives us a glimmer of hope that once again, we can be face-to-face with God in, in perfect relationship with him. And it happens in an in a unusual place. It's, it's in the wilderness, and God had commanded Moses to build a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, and you can go through all the building of the tabernacle, take you through Exodus and uh, part of Leviticus, and, and it's, it's just a wonderful setting where where all of a sudden God says on this certain day, I want you to set up everything I've told you to make. And Moses had done everything that God had commanded him. And they set it up and they took the Ark of the Covenant into the temple and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, we probably don't get too much significance out of that, but... The Ark of the Covenant is an extraordinary piece of God's presence with us because within the Ark of the Covenant was contained what? The tablets. God's word through Moses to God's people. And when the Ark of the Covenant was taken in, it said that the priests could not uh, perform their duties because the, the presence and the glory of the God filled the tabernacle. And Moses, God's spokesman, still, he couldn't even go in. The presence of God was with his people, his sinful, rebellious people. His presence was there 
waiting, waiting for centuries later where this picture would drastically change for our benefit. The second place I'd like to take you is to a guy named Solomon. Now, Solomon was known as the wisest man in the world. What did he have? 700 wives and 300 concubines, and he was the wisest man in the world. Now, I wonder about that, but Solomon did something that is even more extraordinary than his wisdom. He built a temple for the name of God. And they called for the Ark of the Covenant and they made sacrifices without number. And when the Ark of the Covenant was taken into the Holy of Holies, the, the presence of God in, in, the, in the appearance of smoke filled the room and again the priests could not perform their duties because the presence of God was there. Now again, the, the common denominator here is that the Ark of the Covenant was brought, and guess what was in the Ark of the Covenant? The Word of God, the tabernacle, or the tablets of the law that God had given to his people, the rule by which they were to live. And so we, we see that, that God is trying and giving us hope that one day things would change. They would, they would change from the, uh, the sentence of being outcast from the garden. And then we come to the New Testament. In John, the first chapter, it, it says this, in the beginning... This was in the creative processes that stretches the span of all time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and through him all things were made. Anything that was made was not made without him. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. And then it goes on for a few verses, and it said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What was, were the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant? God's Word to His people. And He had the visible presence of the smoke that filled the, the Holy of Holies, that was covered by the curtain. His presence were there offering us a hope of a reconnection with God. And then we go to the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew, and this extraordinary thing happens that Isaiah prophesied. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And these words were spoken in the book of Isaiah to King Ahaz, who would not put God to the test. And so the prophet says, God will give you a sign then. And here's the sign. A virgin will be with child. And she will give birth to a son. And he will save his people. Now, it's extraordinary that we put these two passages of Scripture together along with some words that Matthew says about this baby Jesus because the Word was Jesus and He was with God. In fact, He was God and He became flesh and He dwelt among us. 
and it says, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it will, you'll give him, he's talk, speaking to Joseph, you'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Doesn't this kind of draw us a picture of what Adam and Eve experienced in the garden? He became flesh and dwelled among us. We walked around on, in the streets of Judea and Jerusalem and Galilee in the very presence of God in the flesh. Man, that was even better than what Adam and Eve experienced. But you know what the story of Jesus was? He was the exact representation of God. He spoke the words that God told him to speak. He did the things that he saw his father doing. He was doing everything that God did. He was God. And we were face to face with the love, with the compassion, with the mercy, with the grace, with the goodness, and all the power of God Almighty face to face, arm to arm, hand to hand. And he came to his own and his own refused to recognize who he was. And therein, my friends, is our dilemma. Do we recognize who God is? And where today do we see God? Jesus told his disciples when he was preparing to leave, that he would send a comforter for them and he would guide them in all truth. Thus, in that truth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the church, the body of Christ, which we are a part of, was established. And the gates of hell, the concepts and the philosophies of a world that does not know God will not prevail over the power of God himself. My point this morning is, if we are not in God's word that was revealed in the Ark of the Covenant in the time of the Exodus, in the giving of the uh, tabernacle, in the time that Solomon built the temple and placed the Ark, the word of God in it, and if we were not uh, believing in the, in the uh, count, the record of the birth and the walking upon this earth for 33 years of God himself and him leaving us on the day of Pentecost, a Holy Spirit that will guide us in all truth. If we cannot find ourselves in the middle of all of that, where do we go? Where is our hope? Well, I want to suggest to you this morning and I believe this with all of my heart, that God is revealed to us today in his holy word. That he shows up in our lives through his word. That the power that we will have as Christians, this godly power, not the power that we want to, to use for our own benefit, but this godly power shows up through his word. God's goodness and kindness 
and our response and our behavior in the world in which we live is uh, formed and shaped by this word. If we refuse to be in God's word, to be a part of God's word, and allow the living word to uh, mold us and to shape us, then we are going to be floundering around like a fish out of water. Desperately looking for something that we cannot find. Why do you suppose uh, Jesus gave the church a great commission? to seek and to save the lost because we live in a world where people are running around looking for things that they've lost that they don't even know what they've lost. But we have the answer because the Word of God lives within us. He said on several occasions in the Old and the New Testament that a time is coming when I will write my laws on their hearts. It will be a part of who they are. And friends, if we are not in God's word, we do not know God's word, how can we be a part of who God is? I guess I could have preached this sermon in about one sentence. Friends, we need to have a Bible study. And we need to take it serious. Because that word is living and it's powerful. And it knows stuff. And it teaches us stuff. And if we apply that stuff, to our lives, we are going to be molded and made to be like Christ. And that Christ-likeness in our lives finds a vision and a purpose that brings us into the very presence of God that demonstrates its loving acts to those who are lost and who are seeking, who are running around in the dark. If we don't know this, we don't know much of anything of value. Because this word, these instructions are not just for the few years that we will live on earth. But this will be the reality that we will share for eternity. God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, oh, probably the greatest understatement in the world, your word. And I know that we will never grasp the full significance nor know all of the word that you have just given us to share and to live in and to be. So, Father, we praise you because you have not lost your vision of hope for us, for humanity, because you have showed up in the presence of your word and now you live through your word in the lives of all who believe in you, who have the faith that comes from hearing and that hearing that is founded and rooted in the word of God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.